Welcome to RV Out West. I'm your host, Brooks. My family of fours base camp is located in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, and our RV adventures radiate out from there. Please grab a mug of coffee and join us as we discuss RVing around the American West. From sweet camping spots, gear and equipment, to tips and tricks, we've got you covered. We are RV Out West. I'd like to start this episode and announce that this is my one-year anniversary of the show. I'd like to take a moment to thank each and every one of you listeners for joining me on this journey. If you are new to the show, welcome, and it is my hope that you find this show entertaining and informative for RVing and exploring around the Pacific Northwest. In this episode, I am sharing my two favorite KOAs in the Pacific Northwest. One KOA is in my home state of Washington State, and the other is in neighboring Oregon State. My family is paid to camp and stay at both of these sites, and they are both quite amazing in their offerings, activities, their sites, and their locations. If you are planning a trip to the upper left of the United States, then I would encourage you to check out these campgrounds and the surrounding locations. You will not be disappointed. Joining me today is Dylan Cutler, the general manager of the Astoria Warrington Seaside KOA. Originally from South Dakota, his family owns and operates 14 KOA franchises around the Pacific Northwest and across the United States. Dylan grew up camping, and it has always been a part of his life. While during his years at university, he convinced his parents that he should move out to the South Dakota KOA to work at those campgrounds. He worked two summers between his freshman and sophomore years, and has since then worked his way up the organization into management. Dylan, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join me. Absolutely. Can you share with me kind of the history of the Warrington Astoria KOA? Like, yeah, how long has it been there? When did it start? Why? All sure. of that kind of fun stuff. The Astoria Warrington Seaside KOA started sometime in the early to mid 80s. It was a local family. Um, I don't know how the land and all that came to be or how they decided it was going to be a campground, but how it started is... The 100 section, essentially, this, the paved section right behind the office is what we would call the original campground. So when we purchased the Astoria Warrington Seaside KOA, I believe it was in like 92 or 94. And so everything else that is there at the current campground has been things that we have added in sort of expansion. So all of the expansion to the north and all of the expansion to the east have been things that we have added since we um, purchased the campground in the 90s. Our company was founded in 1972 in South Dakota, and we actually started not as a KOA franchise. We we were originally with the Holiday Inn Travel Parks. So Holiday Inn back in the 70s was trying to go into the camping world and they actually had their own franchise system. They were they were like Holiday Travel Parks or Holiday Inn Travel Parks or whatever they were called. A few years after we had established a franchise with them, they, I think, decided that camping wasn't their thing. And they essentially gave all of their franchisees an opportunity to sign franchise agreements with KOA. And that's how we got started with KOA back sometime in the late 70s, I think. We started, KOA is, is based in Billings, um, which is not that far from our campground in our home office in Hill City, South Dakota. 
Um, so we kind of throughout the years have established a really good relationship with KOA and, and work very closely with them. And through that relationship have had opportunities now to acquire um, quite a few properties. So we've had the Astoria KOA since the early 90s and have done a lot of expansion and, and a lot of stuff. And it actually is the second largest park that we own. So with the first one being out in South Dakota. That yep. one's colossal. Yeah. Yeah. So that one is, is, the, is largest the largest one that we own. And KOA corporate has their own um, camp at campground division. They own like 30 or 35 campgrounds. I don't know. They've been purchasing campgrounds like crazy. Um, and they had the campground that was in Okeechobee, Florida, which was the largest KOA in the nation. It was like 1500 some sites, two golf courses, just absolutely insane. Um, a couple of years ago or last year, even they sold that property and it's no longer a KOA. So I don't know for sure, but it's possible that the campground in South Dakota is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, um, in the nation. So that's cool. That's yeah. cool. I stayed, my family stayed at your Astoria KOA last year for spring break. So we were there nice. for like 10 days. I mean, nice. Saturday to Sunday and had an absolute ball. I mean, just, awesome, man. yeah, the kids had a wonderful time doing putt putt. I mean, we were there in the heart of COVID. So the pool sure. was closed. The, sure. the arcade was closed. Sure. Um, luckily my kids weren't too disappointed because you know, we were riding bikes. They enjoyed yeah. the BMX track. Cool. The, the inflatable half moon. I don't know what you call yeah. that thing. So we call them bounce pillows in our world. Yeah. Um, they were kind of a cool thing and and we would probably consider them like a new world thing. Um, I think they've kind of really become popular in the last like eight to 10 years um, it, as a, as a solution for trampolines and things like that, which insurance companies don't love. Don't like. yeah. yeah. No, yeah. my daughter absolutely loved hanging out on that. Uh, right on. Yeah, the bounce pillow. So all of that stuff then is what you guys had added in through yep. over the years of your. So so everything, uh, like I said, that isn't the the best way to look at it from like a a camper's perspective or a guest's perspective in my mind is everything that is paved was the original campground. Right. Yep. Everything that is not paved is, is what we have added on yep. later. Yeah, we stayed in the 100s. We wanted <laughs> nice. the trees, so we stayed nice. in the 100s right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. trees can be hard to come by out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, so about how many annual visitors does the Warrington Astoria Seaside KOA typically get in a year? It's difficult to talk about like annual visitors. So from our standpoint, like from an owner operator standpoint, we always talk in terms of camper nights. So camper nights is essentially an accumulation of all of the nights that people have stayed at your campground. The reason that we look at it that way is because Astoria, for instance, is a fantastic example. About 90 plus 95% of our business is repeat business. Um, so either people that have stayed in the past or people that stay multiple times a year. So getting into the annual guests type of thing and looking at names and stuff can be difficult because you don't get a full representation of how many people are staying or how often they're staying. So when we talk about things, we talk about camper nights, which is just essentially an accumulation um, of all of the nights that people have spent. And the other reason that camper nights are beneficial for us is because looking at annual guests doesn't 
doesn't tell us how many nights people are staying right and or um, how many people are in the sites or whatever it might be i get it yeah totally right so so um how many nights people are staying is also kind of an important metric and it, it is a metric that goes into the the branding side of things as well along with the amenities so astoria is obviously a resort which is the highest tier um meaning that we have the highest amount of amenities that KOA would require. Um, it also means that our average length of stay, we call it, is higher than a lot of other, you know, holidays or journeys, which are the quote unquote smaller campgrounds. Um, so in 2021, uh, we had a, a fantastic year despite all of the, the restrictions and everything. We had about 43,000 um, camper nights, almost exactly on the dot. And what um, was the average length of camper nights? So our, our average length of stay here, uh, so the most people or the most nights, I should say, that we had came to the three to four night category. Yeah. Um, so your long weekenders, essentially. Close behind that nipping at the heels was your two-nighters. Um, so th those so I was are... the oddball being a week plus, man. There's just so much to do down there. And, and I wouldn't necessarily say that's an oddball. We actually have more nights in the five to 14 night category than we do in the one night category. So we are definitely what we would consider more of a destination campground. People are coming and staying for multiple days. Obviously, all of the amenities and things that we try to provide when people are staying, you know, goes into that too. Um, but we are not uh, an overnight campground and, and the five to 14 nighters are, are represented fairly well too. So let's talk about activities because sure. you guys have an absolute plethora of activities for families there. Even when I was there during COVID, there was still so many activities going on. Just as kind of a background reference, um, my my grandfather is the one who started our company, and he uh, he always liked to to say that we're in the entertainment business, not the camping business, um, and that's kind of a quote that that we've almost branded as our our company message. We have it on posters in our offices and things like that. And so we, and when I say we, I'm talking more specifically about rack. We have, have always been in the mindset of trying to be more on the activity heavy side and, and giving people a lot of options and things to do at our campgrounds so that they don't feel like they need to leave. I have an activities director, Stephen, and, and we put together a lot of really good things um, in tie-dye and and some of those things that we do across the nation and stuff like that. So our activities schedule for 2022 ready. Um, I believe if it's not already posted, it is in the process of being posted to the website. Um, I have kind of given Steven, my activities director, full autonomy to do what he wants. Um, so I honestly don't have a ton of details in terms of what you don't he even has have one little new. nugget. No nugget, I, huh? I no. know that that we are looking into getting some some sound equipment and some karaoke equipment. Karaoke is a thing that we had done in the past, and we had a, a local gentleman that would come in and do it. And that's something that we want to try and bring back and and do ourselves. Our big theme for 2021 and going into 2022 and in activities is trying to get away from the hour and a half or two hour schedule block of this is when this activity is available and more so 
opening it up and having activities available as much as we humanly possible can so that as many people that are on the campground can come and experience those without planning their days around us. We want to try and make it so that we're available for you to come and do what you want to do with us when you want to do it and not necessarily saying we're only offering this activity for two hours from 10 to noon on three days of the week, you know, to go types of activities, crafts to take to your site, offering tie dye more than three days a week for two hour time blocks, you know, trying to offer it six, seven days a week for six or seven hours. So, so you guys can come in between activities or, or in between meals or whatever you guys are doing and, and just trying to, to shift that mindset, I guess. So we don't have any new, you know, groundbreaking activities. We have new themed weekends and we'll have new fun games and stuff like that, but just trying to make us more available to you and to your schedule um, and less feeling like if there's things that you want to do on the campground while you're staying, you, you need to plan your stay around us. That's great thinking. So let me, I, now that you've been living in and around Astoria now for the last 18-ish uh -huh. months, right? Mm -hmm. um, tell me, what are some of your fun things you like to do when you're not at work in and around the area? Sure. So I, uh, I, I moved here from Virginia. Um, when I was in Virginia, I got really into uh, fishing and bass fishing in general. Bass fishing in the South is, is a huge deal. Out here, obviously, fishing is, is a huge thing, not so much for bass, um, right. but for some of the other you know, more trophy types fish and stuff like that. So I love to go fishing the Pacific Northwest and in this area out here on, on the peninsula of Oregon in general at the mouth of the Columbia is one of the most beautiful places you can visit in the United States. Um, I second that. Yeah. I second that. Yeah. So, so just there, there's so many different things that you can do outside, obviously weather permitting, you know, the summer months are fantastic. And, and those are unfortunately the months where I have less free time to, to go just out and do things. But, Gore-Tex. You're fine. Yeah. Just get invest in Gore-Tex. <laughs> and, and Hey, it, it, it's fine. But you know what, after a few hikes out in the rain, it's just like, you know, I think I'd just rather wait for a sunny day, but yeah, fair enough. Some people are, are all about it. And that's fantastic. Um, The hiking is fantastic. This area is just very, unique in that you have the ocean. It's very much so not the ocean that I think a lot of people have in their head. There's no palm trees. The water is very cold. The water is dark. It can be very violent, but it is also extremely beautiful. Having cliffs meet the ocean, the mountains on the other side of the road is one of those things that you can't experience in a lot of places. And so driving south on 101 and just taking in those views and seeing the mountains, meeting the, the cliffs, meeting the ocean with the big beaches is, is just breathtaking. So I'm just getting out and experiencing the area, I would say. Absolutely. Well, Dylan, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, to to share with me the history of the Warrington Astoria KOA, as well as just um, a bit about the park. I will say that we have had an absolutely fantastic stay down there. And Astoria is definitely one of the places we love to come down to go camping and, and awesome. to explore for all those same reasons you said, man, it is absolutely where the mountains meet the ocean. It's oh, mind blowing. Yeah, it is absolutely fantastic. So thanks for having me. Thank you. you bet. Native Idahoan and school teacher who moved to Oregon coast to semi-retire, 
Lee Wheeler ended up getting his start as the activities director at the Astoria Warrington Seaside KOA. And within a year, he was promoted to assistant manager, and two years later, he was promoted to the general manager there at the Astoria Warrington Seaside KOA. In 2016, the Leavenworth Washington franchise was purchased for by the Cutler family, and for the last 18 months, Lee Wheeler has been the general manager of the Leavenworth KOA. Lee, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Oh, you're welcome. Can you share with me kind of what is an annual average of nights there at the Leavenworth KOA? Oh, uh, boy. On a good a good year, about 17,000. And do you think a lot of those are kind of Pacific Northwesterners, or do you think those are people from kind of out of traveling from out of the Pacific Northwest to come and experience the Pacific Northwest? So most of our people come from uh, Washington State, but then we get a lot of people from Idaho and even quite a few from Oregon. This last year, we had a lot of people from Texas uh, with with the Canadian border being closed. Uh, Canada usually is a big part of that also. So we are getting a few from out of the Pacific Northwest, but most of ours is targeting people that are just in the area. And you guys have a lot of cabins. We have like 20 rustic cabins, which just comes with the beds. They're like a shell. And then we have 20 of our big lodges, our deluxe lodges. And then we have seven of our studio lodges, which are for, you know, a family of four. Let's talk about some activities, because I remember when we were there, my children loved doing the uh, Leavenworth tie-dye shirt activities actually there in the pavilion. And what other kind of activities, now that we're kind of coming out of a lot of the COVID restrictions, can you share with me some of the kind of activities that you guys are thinking about being able to implement here in 2022? Well, if everything goes well, you know, we're we're planning on having our pool open uh, on Memorial Weekend. So that'll that'll be great, unless unforeseen issues there. But we did have the Gaga ball pits uh, last year. We also did the bubble maker out on the big lawn where we had the the bubble machine that the kids just love getting in the bubbles. That was that was fun. So we'll be doing that again. We do do the tie dye stuff a bear. Uh, those are a couple things. This year we are bringing in gem mining, which we're going to be building a big uh, gem mining sleuth. It's already on its way, and we'll have the gems for kids to actually be able to mine for the gems out of the sand and come up with all kinds of goodies from that. So that's that's kind of the uh, the area that we're in right now for kids' activities. There'll also be the scavenger hunts and different things that we plan on doing for the kids. The the rock garden, the you know different things where kids can pick up rocks, paint them, stuff like that. So let's talk about the pavilion. Uh, I'm bummed to hear that the uh, weather and the snow this winter took out the pavilion and that the city of Leavenworth has condemned it. Do you guys have any plans to either rebuild or what kind are you thinking about putting in place in its place? Uh, right now, there are. Uh, we're waiting for, you know, of course, to hear back from the insurance and stuff like that. We just had the adjusters out here. But uh, one of the things in the plans is we will have a new pavilion. We're not exactly sure what it's going to be, if it's going to be as big, or if it's going to be enclosed. Uh, those are all going to be things that are going to be taken up with corporate and discussed that way. 
But we will have a pavilion. I don't know if it will be open this year, but uh, with everything that's been going on, we're keeping, you know, we'll be optimistic and say we're hoping, but uh, it's definitely next year we will have something new up there. If everything goes well, uh, we might turn it into more than just a pavilion, but it's, we'll see what see what we can do. But it will be a new structure. It's probably all metal, and it will be able to withstand uh, the snow load around here. That's exciting, actually. I mean, uh, sorry that it happened, and that's always uh, no fun to be dealing with. <laughs> but uh, looking on the bright side, it sounds pretty, you know, come back better, especially with metal and to be able to handle those winter snow loads. Oh, yeah, and kind of like the one that's in the Astoria uh, KOA. I mean, they've got one that's a, a huge building that's all enclosed that they're able to have activities all winter long. And, that would definitely be something we are going to look at to see if that's something we want to do here to provide opportunities for kids and families year-round. Is there anything you can kind of share as far as other things that you guys maybe have in the hopper for 2022? Uh, right now, our restrooms that are right down below, right next to the store, they were really outdated. Uh, they are getting a facelift right now. So we'll have brand new restrooms underneath there. We are putting uh, water bottle refill stations on park so people can fill their bottles. Uh, we are getting a brand new espresso machine. And if we can get employees, we'll have the coffee shack open more so that people can get an early morning coffee. So those are some of the things that are up and running. We just got a brand new heater for our pool. So the pool will be heated a little bit better this year. And those are some of the things we've already gotten. So those are uh, on their way. They'll be available for this summer. That's exciting. That's exciting. And my kids loved the ice cream parlor or the ice cream shop and going to get an ice cream. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was a yeah. big. Every night we walked down after after supper and kind of went down and got an ice cream and then, you know, walked around and did the whole kind of campground walk and checked out what, you know, cool other people have done with their campsites and then kind of moseyed back to ours for an evening campfire. Well, we were hoping to remodel the uh, pancake house slash kitchen. And when our pavilion went down, now we're looking at possibly as we build that up there to make it more of a uh, kitchen up there to where people can come in and eat and pancakes can be served and people can sit and enjoy underneath the pavilion. So uh, the city actually, you know, in all the codes and everything, our pancake house was, because of fan issues and stuff, they wouldn't let us open it. So it's kind of a, a blessing that we may be looking at uh, using the pavilion as a new opportunity to expand and put our pancake house up there. But that's uh, something that's in the future. That's something that we're working out details, and we'll move forward with that if that's the case. Um, that addition there in the front of the park that kind of seems like a lot of the big Class Cs park up in there. Tell me a bit about that. When did that, those improvements get added to the park? Okay, so that was in the process. Let's see, I took over in 2020, 2020 wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. And that was in the process of 2018, I believe, and it, I think, was completed probably in 2020. 
Okay. How, and how many more sites um, did that was that able to add to the campground? That added another what? Uh, I'm trying to think about forty forty seven sites. Okay. Something like that. That's pretty exciting too. That's great. You guys got a lot of things going there. That's really <laughs> exciting. Well, Lee, thank you so much again for your time. I really appreciate it. And as I said, the Leavenworth KOA is probably my favorite KOA in the state of Washington. It is a beautiful. Keep coming. (laughs) I will. I will. It's a beautiful campground. I'll be out for sure. All right, Lee. Well, thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. You have a great time and enjoy your weekend. In our next episode in two weeks, we chat with a Spokane manufacturing business that specializes in building battery lockboxes. RV Lockbox has built a solution right here in Washington State, and we speak with Jason, the owner, to learn more about his products. In the meantime, please be sure to share with your friends and family about this podcast and head over to Apple Podcasts and leave this show a rating and a review. If you've not yet subscribed to the show, please do so. That way you'll never miss an episode. Now, Get out there, explore, and go see what's beyond the horizon. Thanks so much for listening to RV Out West. Join us again in two weeks with our next episode. Please like and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you choose to get your podcast so you never miss an episode. And I sure would appreciate if you left a rating or a review of the show. Special thanks to Scott Holmes Music for providing the intro song, We Are One. RV Out West can be found on Instagram and Facebook where you can interact with us and follow along on our RV adventures around the Pacific Northwest. So get out there, explore, and go see what's beyond the horizon.